Welcome to Glenlock Baptist Church this morning, and uh, just a few announcements as we get started. Um, one announcement being that next, let's see, not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday is our Easter egg hunt, the 29th, um, and we are still in need of egg and candy donations, preferably ones that are, eggs that are filled with candy already are awesome. So if you could bring those. Um, we are having that egg hunt. We expect a good crowd there for that. So um, you're invited. You and your family are invited to attend. There'll be food, um, egg hunt, a gospel presentation. Students who come will be helping hide eggs. Um, we'll have ice cream. So there's going to be a lot of things going on that night. Um, so you, you come and be a part of that. That's March 29th. The Sunday before that, next Sunday, March the 26th, our choir will be performing um, their Easter performance at six o'clock in the evening, and so we really encourage you to come and, and listen to that. Um, it's, a, it's a really awesome performance, and so if you don't have anything to do, or if you do, cancel those plans, and come next Sunday night, March 26th, um, at six o'clock for our uh, evening of worship. Also, just wanted to make you aware that this weekend we had, as you can see, this group in the front. Um, Many, I think we had a total of 30 people attend a D-Now weekend um, at Rootville Road Baptist Church. We met with another 225 people from other churches in the area, and we covered the uh, chapter of John 15, and we spoke about what it means to abide in Christ and uh, to bear fruit and to live for Him, and it was a really, a really good and, and a really encouraging weekend. Um, if you see these guys up here nodding off during... Uh, Neil Sermon, he's given them a free pass already, which I'm thankful for because I'm feeling it. Um, but we want to thank everyone who donated time, anyone who donated uh, money to help people go, any food that was donated. We we're so thankful um, for the weekend that we had. And uh, I wanted to share just really quickly, and then I'll move on because I'm so tired, I don't really know what I'm going to say. Um, I want to share really quickly what my recap of the weekend would be. Um, at the end of the weekend, they asked us to write down one reflection from our D-Now weekend, what we learned through uh, the services. And I wish I'd have brought my booklet up here, but I don't, so this is going to be freewheeling a little bit. Um, but this, was, this is what I got. Bearing fruit for Christ is greater than any other thing I could do or any other thing I could have. Living a life attached to the vine, bearing fruit for Christ is greater than anything I could do or anything I could have. And that's what we learned this weekend. So as we kind of move into worship, I want you to know as um, we move into a morning of singing and, and reading the word that bearing fruit for Christ is better than anything that you could do or anything that you could have. And um, last announcement is, I can't believe I'm announcing this, but we have, we have camp sign-ups available. So we're going to pass those out. If you didn't get to be a part of D-Now and you want to experience what we experienced at D-Now as a student, camp is a great time to do that. So um, all that to say, Mr. Joe Bledsoe is going to come and read our call to worship. If you have any questions about any of those announcements, you can see me. Thank you. Good morning. I'll be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 through 11. If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart 
nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother. But thou shalt open thy hand wide unto him, and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need, in that which he wanted. Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of the release, is at hand, and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him not. And he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. Because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, and in all that thou puttest thy hand unto. For, uh, for the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore I command thee, saying, Thou shalt open thy hand wide unto thy brother, to thy poor, and to thy needy in thy land. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for the many blessings that each one of us have, Father. Let us take this word that I've read and take it to heart and be able to help the poor in whatever, whatever it may be. As our Sunday school lesson mentioned this morning, to love one another is one of the greatest commands Christ gave us, Father. Be with each one that's here and be with all these young people that, Father, they hear your word this weekend and hear your word this morning, and if they don't know Christ, that they'll accept him father and we just thank you and praise you for the many blessings that we have in this church in christ's holy name we pray amen good morning if you'll stand this morning we're going to begin worship with singing this is amazing grace <clears throat> Of 
are going to sing a song that's going to be part of our Experiencing God program. That's actually next Sunday night, um, so we pray that you will come back for that and that you've invited people to come and um, just kind of experience that whole night of worship. Um, this is actually a song that um, the congregation will sing with us that Sunday night, and it's one you probably know, so feel free to sing with us as well.
stand. We're going to worship together again this morning. And we're going to sing Make Me a Blessing. And I just have to tell you all, this is the first morning that we've had our organ, um, actual organ being played. And if you don't know the backstory of that, that organ belongs to Mr. Joe Whittemore. And um, after Miss Judy Whittemore passed, they sold their house and he wanted that organ to come home here to Glenlock. Um, And so this is our first morning having that. I just have to tell you all, it's it's really special. Um, And for some reason last night I dreamed of Miss Judy. And Mr. Joe, and I don't think that's a coincidence that it was kind of preparing my heart to hear that today. So, um, you know, we're blessed to have music in our lives, and we're blessed to have musicians in our church. Um, and we're especially blessed to have musicians who give, because that organ's not only a beautiful instrument, but it's a very valuable instrument. Um, and so that is a way that Joe Whittemore allowed himself to be make, made a blessing And so as we sing Make Me a Blessing this morning, um, you know, Neil's talking about we're looking for a group to maybe possibly finance to finish our church. We're always looking for people to come in and pray before the service. We've said that the youth had D now this weekend. There's so many ways to make yourself a blessing in our family of Glenlock where love abounds. So I just pray that you kind of pray through that as we're singing this this morning.
Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank you so much just for our youth and the wonderful weekend they had at Disciple Now. Thank you for the leaders, God, who um, are probably tired and needing sleep this morning, but God, that have poured um, restlessly into our children and into our youth, God. Lord, um, I just pray that they can share with us um, truly what a blessing it is to abide um, with Christ, God. Lord, we pray that if um, there's any decisions made, that you will just allow this church to disciple them, God. Lord, I thank you for our children and our uh, children workers, God. And I thank you for our choir and the the hard work they're putting in to um, present experiencing God to our congregation, Lord. God, I just thank you for our church and all the blessings you've bestowed upon us, God. I thank you for our pastor um, who preaches diligently um, as he feels led through the books of the Bible, God. And as we're studying Galatians and, and looking at this morning specifically how we need to be a blessing for the poor, God. Lord, may you um, encourage each one of our hearts, God, and just show us specifically what it is that you'd have us do in your will and in your way this week. We just love you and praise you and thank you and pray that you open our minds and clear our hearts, God, to clearly hear from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. And children are going to the back with Miss Vaughn for Children's Church. Amen. Thank you, Catherine, for uh, leading us in singing. And again, a special grateful thank you to Bryson and our youth leadership for the D-Now weekend and the theme, which is to abide in Christ, to abide in the vine and the fruit that results from that. So grateful that I have two sons in the group who are learning and growing as well, and so I know that it was a very fruitful and blessed weekend. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to to Galatians chapter 2. We are again in Galatians chapter 2, but I'm going to approach the message and the passage a little differently this week than I normally am in habit to do. So my normal function is to go verse by verse through books of the Bible and expound those. Uh, That is my week-to-week approach. But today we are going to have a topical message on something that's on my heart that's from verse 10 that I want to focus in on. So as we read through Galatians chapter 2, we're going to also be in other places in the Bible. So don't shut those up, but let's kind of keep them open as if we were in a type of Bible drill. Because we're going to go to the book of Revelation, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 25, and then depending on how the Lord leads, we may also go to uh, Luke 4 and uh, 2 Corinthians. So you need to be aware and be in tune. I feel like a batter who is changing his stance a little bit this morning. But um, to God be the glory. May we be blessed uh, from his word and the preaching. So I'm going to pick up, I don't know if I told you all this, I'm going to pick up in Galatians 2, 9, verses that we have already preached. But 2.10 is going to be our, our theme and our focus. Remember the poor. Remember the poor. So recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas and John who were reputed to be pillars, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. 
And look at how he zeroes in on verse 10. They only ask us to remember the poor. The very thing I was also eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I almost said Glenlock, <laughs> out of habit. It would be great to have Peter show up at Glenlock, wouldn't it? Sorry. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he began to withdraw, hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were, listen to this, not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, they weren't walking properly according to the gospel, I said to Cephas in the presence of all, if you being a Jew live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? We are Jews by nature and not, quote, sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Since by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if, seeking, but if while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed... I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law... Then Christ died needlessly. Father, we are grateful this morning for the word. We're grateful for the good news. We're grateful for the blessings we have already received from you, from our passages that we've read, from the songs which have been sung, from our children leading us, and the weekend that the youth have experienced. Lord, so many blessings, but now may we as those who receive the blessings of grace from you through all these different ways, may we search our hearts and be moved in our hearts to be compelled to be eager, not only to remember the poor, but to serve the poor and understand more from the biblical context of what that exactly means. Father, thank you so much for our time today under your authority and the authority and the grace of your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, this morning, verse 10 is a central verse in this chapter and in this book, and the theme runs throughout the Bible. That you and I would be so moved by the grace and the love of God, particularly through the cross of Christ, that our hearts would be moved and changed and compelled to rather than going on about our lives, 
that we would stop and pause and remember the poor. In fact, that we would so be moved to not only remember the poor, but that we would be eager. The tense there is of speed and quickness and energy. That I wouldn't just remember and think of the poor, but that I would be eager, as Paul says, to do this very thing. Now, this must be heavy because the, uh, at the apostolic beginning of the church, we're talking heavyweights here. James and Cephas and John and Paul, they all got on board with this concept of receiving from God the grace that they had been given. And one of the identifying authoritative factors of being an apostle was that you had seen the risen Christ. So how do people live who have seen the risen Christ? How do people live whose hearts and lives have been touched by the cross of Christ and the grace given to us? So what, we might ask? Well, there are many marks and many applications to make sure that we are straightforwardly applying the gospel and that we don't waste the grace and that we don't live as if Christ died in vain. And throughout the scriptures, one of the main central actions that we are called to is to remember the poor. So this is heavy. Everybody, everybody voted, all the, all the apostles Let's remember the poor. So what I'm going to do, and, and I'll be honest with you, like one of the reasons why I'm circling back around to this verse and preaching this topically is that when we were in Nicaragua, again, my mind is still on Nicaragua time from three or four weeks ago, leaving the comfort zone of where I live and move and going to Nicaragua opens your eyes, it did for me, the poverty and the, the, the need that exists in places like Nicaragua and other third world type countries. It's, it's so enlightening. It's so helpful. It's so humbling. So as Bryson was preaching through Galatians while we were gone, and then as I was preparing to preach through Galatians when I come back, this concept would not leave me alone while we were ministering with Ronnie Hopkins in Nicaragua. So I've got some, some context here that's on my heart and mind as I share with you today. So I've got, let me cut to the chase, five God-centered, sanctifying reasons to be eager to minister to the poor. Five reasons why we should be eager to minister to the poor. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that we're only going to cover three of them today. All right? I'm starting to know myself a little bit better. But in one of my favorite Peanuts episodes, Lucy was telling Charlie Brown some reasons why he needed to do something. And Charlie Brown said, give me the reasons. And Lucy says, here they are. One, two, three, four, Five, right? So I'm not coming here strong-handed this morning, but I am going to give us five biblical theological reasons why you and I should be deeply passionate 
in remembering and ministering to the poor. So let's go ahead and start with reason number one. One of the reasons biblically we are commanded to remember the poor is through this remembering and through this eagerness to minister, God is showing us someone and something. God is revealing to us the true condition of who we are and where we live. We need to remember the poor because through that remembering and through that ministry, God is revealing to us the true condition of who we are and where we live. Now, by God's providence and by His will and grace, He has determined the who, what, where, and when of all of life. In other words, we need to remember the words of our Lord in Matthew 26, 11, where He said, "...the poor you will have with you always." There will always be poverty. There will always be suffering. As long as we live in this broken, sinful, fallen world, the poor are going to exist. Now, Terry and James and I were serving in a community called Miraluz in Nicaragua. It's right outside of Managua. Some of you other people have been to Miraluz. It is one of the most poverty-stricken, impoverished communities I've been in in my entire life. When we drove up to, to teach uh, and, and share at this leadership group that was meeting at the local school, I looked out at the soccer field, and the soccer field was nothing but dry red dirt. And the soccer goals were wooden poles that they had put together. There was no net, there was no ball, The soccer fields that we have down at Glenlock are immaculate compared to what those children are playing on in Miraluz. But that's just a side point. While we were leading this leadership academy group that one of the local pastors assembles on a regular basis, one of the young ladies in that group asked us a question, and it is a penetrating question, and it's a question all of us ask. She said, why is there suffering And why is there evil? And why is there poverty in our world today if God is, as you say, providential, sovereign, and good? And what she is asking is really a a question to attach to what Jesus has just said in Matthew 26. God, why do you have the poor around us always? And my point number one is that God, through this, is revealing to us the true condition of who we are and the condition of the world we live in. And let me, let me work through this a little bit. If you'll turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 3. Remember I said we were going to do things a little different this morning. But let's be frank. We don't know ourselves very well. And it takes God's grace to show us our true condition. When I can be blinded to who I really am, especially spiritually, if I have all the trappings of life, and I have a lot of the trappings of life, health, material goods, 
more food than I need to eat? It's very warm in here this morning, as you can probably feel. (laughs) But what is our true condition? So there was a church called Laodicea, and they had become lukewarm. They had become apathetic and sluggish. In fact, they had become pretty much self-satisfied, and they thought they had everything lined up properly, and they were saying, we don't need anything or anybody. Man, they were so self-assured. And look at what God says to them. Where am I? Revelation 3.14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write this. The amen, the faithful, the witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this. I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. And I would that you were cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew you or spew you out of my mouth. Because they were saying, look, they were delusional. They were saying, I'm rich. I'm wealthy. I don't need anything. But the assessment and the diagnosis from Jesus was the very opposite. You do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy from me gold, that is godly character, refined by fire, so that you may truly become rich in white garments, righteousness. That you may truly clothe yourselves and your nakedness and your shame not be revealed. Here's what I'm getting at. God in his providence and wisdom keeps the poor around us so that we will see who we are spiritually apart from God's grace. Now let me pull back and build up some biblical weight uh, to this. So because by nature we are blind to our true condition and our true need, we need the light of God's law and we need the light of His word and grace to reveal how we really are. And our response to poverty and difficulty will serve as a, quote, stress test for our lives spiritually to give us spiritual health and awareness. If we don't live with the awareness of our need and our poverty as individuals, we'll become self-righteous and self-dependent, and that will lead us to be spiritually lukewarm. But what did Adam and Eve realize when they were alienated from God because of their sin? Wait a second, something's wrong. They were aware of their poverty. They were aware of their nakedness. They were aware of their guilt and their shame. They felt physically and emotionally and relationally the the separation that existed spiritually, if I'm making any sense whatsoever. They felt insecure, they felt a lack because they had hit moral and spiritual bankruptcy through their alienation from God and each other. The total opposite from the Laodiceans. The Laodiceans were lukewarm because they were self-satisfied in the things that they possessed which served as an allusion to their true condition. When Job lost everything, And he had a lot. What did he become aware of? He said, naked I came from my mother's womb. 
and naked I shall return. I came into this world with nothing. I'm going out of this world with nothing. He became painfully and starkly aware of his true spiritual condition through the loss that he had faced and realized ultimately that everything came from God. John 15, where our students were this weekend, apart from him we can do nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, if we do not have love, agape love living in us, we we are nothing. So poverty around us shows the condition of who we are and the brokenness of the world we live in because of our sin. So when you finally get it right and become aware of your deep need and poverty, and having poverty around us serves as a reminder to this, you will say with David in Psalm 34, 6, when he cried out to God, here's what he called himself. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. So what does David confess? He says, I'm a poor man. I, 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 I'm bankrupt morally and spiritually, God, and I desperately need you. Paul in Romans 7, at the end of that chapter where he realized his true condition, he said to himself, wretched man that I am, who shall save me from the body of this death? So as we look around and see the poor always with us, God is reminding us we are not in Eden anymore. And we are on, on our own cannot save ourselves with whatever trappings we may add to our lives. God, through the poor being around us, shows us there goes you and me. There goes you and me. We live in a broken and fallen and sin-cursed world, and, 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 and by nature, I'm a part of that. And that is why when Jesus began the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And when you read what Jesus said about the poor in spirit, their lives spiritually, and I quote, parallel, their interstate parallels the outward circumstances of the common Jerusalem beggar. So when I drive through downtown Atlanta, get out of Grady Hospital, and there are homeless, poor people all around you. If you're like me, one of your initial reactions internally is rather than to remember the poor, you don't want to make eye contact. You don't want to be bothered. Let's be honest. Just walk straight ahead, find the door to Grady, and go inside. When we were at Houston several weeks ago with the Montevallo baseball team, several guys on ACES team remarked, we could not believe how many homeless people there are in inner city Houston. Sometimes it's shocking. And honestly, sometimes we don't want to make eye contact and we don't want to be involved. I think in our heart of hearts, you and I realize that, you know what? What their state is materially and physically and mentally is also what I am spiritually. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs 
is the whole kingdom of heaven. And it sounds to me like if you can't say in your heart of hearts that when you see poverty and when you see affliction and when you see brokenness and when you see difficulty morally and mentally in all those cases, we need to honestly say that person, although I may look and feel and act differently on the outside, on the outside, man, that is you and me cast out of paradise. We're not in Eden anymore and this is a broken, fallen world, and I, too, am a real part of that. And the brokenness is in me. So here's the question. Do I have inside of me a spiritual awareness that parallels the outside circumstances of the common Jerusalem beggar? Am I connecting here at all? So one of the things that you need to say to yourself when you remember the poor is, there goes me. There goes me, apart from God and His grace in the gospel. This all reminded me of a story I read one time about a man named Malcolm Muggeridge. He was a British journalist, and he was traveling in India, away from home, away from his wife, away from his family. And he said to himself, in his selfishness and his lust, as he was on a beach in India, away from all accountability, he said, man, now's my chance. He jumped into the water and he saw a lady swimming pretty far distance from him. But she was alone and he was alone. And he says, I was ready to make my move. So he walks into the water and he starts swimming toward her. And the closer he gets to her, he realizes that she has leprosy. That she was a leper. And as he saw her stunned and started turning to swim back, he realized that as he saw her leprosy, God was revealing to him the leprosy that was in his own heart that through lust led him to pursue a sinful path. So I'm saying to us, when we see the poverty around us, whether it's in the inner city or in Heard or Carroll County, wherever we go, let's be mindful and let's be sensitive that God in His providence has kept the poor around us. As difficult and as frustrating and as hard as that can be at times to minister and to give help, that, that there goes you and me. And God in His grace has cared and moved. And not only has He blessed us materially, but He has blessed us with the grace and the forgiveness and the transformation that comes through the gospel. So the gospel changes your heart, but it takes the law of God to, to, to shut our mouths and to open our eyes. All right, I think I've plowed that one enough. Naked I came from the, from the womb and naked we're going to return we are all so dependent on God's grace, and we should give thanks to God that the poor are always around us to, to give us an outward illustration of what we are on the inside. Number two, mercy. I've just covered number one. <laughs> maybe just two this week, okay? Okay, I'll go ahead and say maybe just two, all right? Or definitely two. Because I want us to go to Matthew 25. So let's take a moment, flip over there if you have it. I don't know if they're still with me or not back there in the, in the back. 
So one of the things you ought to say when you see the poor around you, as you remember them, is there goes you and me. Hey, here's a whole other ball game here. There's God. There's Jesus. And I've got a lot of material on why we should say that, but let, let's just go with this one. Matthew 25, beginning with verse 31. This is familiar to a lot of us. Um, and we talk about justice and righteousness and goodness and caring. The world's on board with that, but the world really doesn't have sound theological reasons to behave and give and serve and love. And we do. And this is just one of them. Here's point number two of the five. Remember the poor. Why? Because God is calling us into the nature of His love and happiness. We should remember the poor and be eager to serve because through that, God is calling us into the nature of His love and happiness. God's command in this area is a serve to call me out of my toxic self-absorption. Saw a bumper sticker on the back of a car one time and it said, My children saved me from toxic self-absorption. And I said, I got it, all right? Because left to ourselves, what are we? But when we give and serve and love, God is calling us into His happiness and His joy because He's in it. He's there. So in Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him. He will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Here it is. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. God takes how we treat other people personally. In the book of Proverbs, he who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker. He who is gracious to the needy honors him. God is identifying with solidarity himself with the poor. Proverbs 17.5, he who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. Why? Because people are created in the image of God. People have the stamp of the worth and the value of God on their life. Rich people, poor people, Democrats, Republicans, black, white, male, female. Every person needs to be treated with dignity and respect because every person is created in the image of God. So if you condemn the poor... If you have contempt for the poor, or if you despise the poor, the Bible is telling us that God, ta God takes that. We might as well be doing and saying and feeling those things toward Him. So back to Matthew 25. 
Well, the righteous say, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we, when did we give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger? When did we invite you in, naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick in prison? When did we come to you? The king will say, truly I say to you, and you've heard this before, to the extent that you did it unto the least of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. You did it to me. I think that's enough biblical material in and of itself for us to say, one reason I need to remember the poor is that God commands me to do it because He is there. And so what he ends up saying is that if we serve and minister to those who are hungry and thirsty and in prison and in need and impoverished, not only does that invite us into who God is, but it invites us into His love and His joy. Because the message here is enter into the joy of your Master. So remembering the poor is God's call to me to get out of myself and into what he takes seriously. And that's the relationship that other people have with him and the relationship we have together. And so don't be surprised that when you serve and give, it will make you happy in a way that nothing else will make you happy. And we have the poor around us always as a call from God to know and experience and share and participate in the greatest joy and the greatest love and the greatest happiness that there is. So when you see the poor, you remember them and then you think, there goes me. And you think, there goes Jesus. And then I'll cut to this, which is first point next week now. Jesus became poor so that you and I, through his poverty, will become really rich. And if God in his love and his grace has blessed us with infinite spiritual wealth, the living water, then his command for us to participate in ministry to those in need is an invite and an opportunity. And let's be honest, opportunities are all around us every week if we'll just open our eyes and be moved by our heart to the gospel to share the true riches by using the material riches, God is inviting us into His joy and His happiness. Joy is at the far end of service. And you'll discover it every time because you can't give, Jesus said, even a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple and you not receive a reward. Let me close with this. It's just on my mind ever since we sat down with Ronnie and he was talking about it. So one of the things Ronnie Hopkins has done in Nicaragua is truly fantastic and amazing. And, and when you hear what he's done through the schools and through the medical clinic, clinics, but what I want to focus in on in, in closing is, is the water sources. Because in several of these communities... He has put resources toward fresh water sources in the communities. And so Ronnie's got us all seated around a table. And he's sharing about his love for the Lord, his love for people. And the difference that that 
fresh water well wells in those communities? The difference is, I give you the three points. What difference is it making? Well, number one, the children are saying, we are no longer getting sick because there are no parasites in this water. Number two, our moms no longer have to go down to the river to wash our clothes. And number three, we can now take baths inside the house. And as I heard those three differences that fresh water sources are making in impoverished communities, I thought to myself, man, I'm having a pretty good week here in Glenlock, Georgia, based on what we've been blessed with. But if those are the testimonies that new, fresh, actual water make in communities, then then what are the testimonies that the living water that Christ gives to us on a regular basis, what difference is that making in the lives of you and me? I'm sure some of our students have some testimonies from this week. But one of the testimonies you and I ought to have is that through the law of God, my eyes were opened. Through the law of God, my mouth was shut. And through the gospel of God and the the refreshing life that he's giving me in my soul, it has changed my heart to where now, rather than neglecting and forgetting, I'm trying to remember the poor with an eagerness that all the apostles felt and got on board with because they were touched by the amazing grace of God. That's enough for today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy to us to to open our eyes to see. Um, Take us out of ourselves and our own small dreams and visions for, for life and expand our hearts to reflect what you care about and who you are And for that, it's going to take grace. It's going to take grace for people like me because there are times when I want to withdraw and there are times in which I want to condemn or have contempt for people who are different from me in so many different ways. Um, But that's nullifying grace. That's living as if the cross doesn't count. That's living as if the cross was in vain. We know, Father, that... That's certainly not the case. In fact, the opposite is true. The the cross is the one source of forgiveness and life and transformation. So take us to the cross so that we can see that it is there you have given your grace to needy. Needy sinners, impoverished sinners, hungry, thirsty sinners like all of us. And it's from there that we have the spiritual resources and resolve to begin to change how we live and serve and give out of love to you. Father, continue to do that work in me and in us today as we gather in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing about the cross. Living as the cross counts means remembering the poor among so many other things. You come as we sing.
Thank you so much for uh, gathering with us in worship again today. A couple of things I want to share with you before we close. Um, I've been asked to ask us to remember the family of Connor Cook, a young man who passed away. Some of you may know Mike Cook, who at one time was a member of our church, and Chris Cook. Uh, this is Chris's son, Connor. Uh, he passed this past week. Let's remember the Cook family in our prayers also, Billy Vaughn is at Grady Hospital. He's holding his own, but let's continue to pray for Billy. And Jackie Wayne's sister, Connie, died. And the Waynes are not here today, but let's remember Jackie Wayne's family in our prayers also. So, Catherine already mentioned the organ, okay? And I want to thank Miss Becky and Randy and Joyce for work. They, they have spent a lot of time and energy into making this. And it sounded great, Miss Becky. Are you back there, Miss Becky? Or am I just talking to the wall? Am I talking to the wall? It sounds terrific. And, and a, a lot of people, including our whole church, were a part of that being here. And Joe Whittemore sent me a message this morning praying that we would make a joyful noise to the Lord. He's so grateful and happy to, to have given uh, this to our church. And, and as Catherine mentioned that earlier, so I want to be sure and, and, and cover that. So, also, next Sunday night, please make a special effort to be here for the Choir's Experiencing God program. It is going to be such a blessing, and you caught some of it uh, this morning. Um, and then one other thing, I'm going to allow, I'm going to ask Catherine to close this, and then if you're not a member, you have permission to leave, but if you're a member, please stay. We're going to have a brief called conference. Uh, Todd Hanley, our moderator, is going to lead that because we're about to have a deacon election but I'll go ahead and share in advance that through the nomination process, there were four men who stood out as far as the number of nominees that they received. And all four of those guys have previously served. So we're going to recommend the Deacon Nomination Committee that we reinstall um, in no particular order. Jerry Prince, Jeff Rude, Kyle Kane, and who was the other one? Larry Teeter. You got a wife for a reason, to help you and me, all right? So Larry's not, he's not forgettable. So y'all, y'all, uh, I'm making sure mentally I've covered everything. Was there anything else that I was supposed to cover? Yeah, no adult Bible study tonight so that we're going to spend a little bit longer time practicing with the choir. No student tonight. Y'all, y'all all go home take a nap, all right? You know, some of y'all stayed awake. I was very happy with is there anything else, Bryson, that you need to say? Okay. So, Catherine, why don't you pray? Non-members dismiss. Members, please hang around just for a couple of minutes. And I'm going to ask Todd if he will come up and lead, moderate that uh, college conference. So, choir is going to be at 4.30 this afternoon. So, choir will practice 4.30 till 6 30 or after um if you have kids that are singing 
children's choir, they can still come at six. Please still come at six so that we can practice with those children as well on their songs. Um, and y'all, please, please come next Sunday um, and invite other people to come because um, it's going to be great. So 430 choir um, and then deacons meeting at seven. Let's sing um, doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly Have a great week.